May these words of my mouth and this meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. At my alma mater this past week, the School of Theology at Suwannee held their annual event. Very popular, very well attended. This is essentially homecoming for the seminary. And because it is a bunch of priests and theologians, the activity around which all of the alumni gather is not a football game, but a series of lectures. Never let it be said that we don't know how to have fun. The DuBose Lectures are named for William Porche DuBose. DuBose was the first chaplain of Suwannee, hired in 1871. He was later a professor at the School of Theology, and finally he was dean of the seminary for many, many years before his retirement. And not just because I went to Suwannee am I going to say this, it's true. He is widely considered one of the most important Episcopal theologians. He developed a systematic theology. He wrote and published numerous books, and he was far ahead of his time in his thoughts on ecumenism, that aim of promoting unity among the world's Christian churches. DuBose truly believed that no one church has the full picture of Christ. No one gets to claim sole ownership of having the answer. He proposed that we all understand different aspects of Christ, and together a fuller picture is understood. This was revolutionary thinking, not just in his time, but consider the entire factious history of Christianity, with differing sects, even today, claiming and proclaiming to have the truth. DuBose was a deep thinker, a progressive theologian, and he was certainly a bridge builder. I see the spirit of DuBose in the gospel lesson today, the seeds of his thoughts around inclusion and tolerance, his expansive theology and willingness to admit that we, the Episcopal Church, do not hold the singular key to the kingdom. This can all be seen rooted in this text from Mark. John said, Teacher, We saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him, and went on to say, whoever is not against us is for us. Did you notice that John said, the exorcist was casting out demons in Jesus' name, but he was not following us. 
So who exactly is the us? Following John or not following Jesus? I'm afraid John may have tipped his hand with this comment. Remember last week's argument over who is the greatest disciple. And we'll see John in a few weeks following up on that. Stay tuned, my friends. The plot thickens. John seems to think there is only one way to follow Jesus. He wants to draw a circle around himself and the other disciples and Jesus and exclude others. Jesus will have none of it and implies that John is in fact being a stumbling block. This text is a continuation of the gospel lesson heard last week. And if you remember, Jesus is with his disciples and he has called a young child into their midst. This week, I know it's been a week, but not really. That child is still on Jesus' lap. Jesus warns the disciples that they are not to put up barriers before the little ones who believe in me. Little ones, literally, children. Little ones, figuratively, new followers. Jesus is opening and expanding the circle of the beloved. He is warning his disciples not to be too narrow in their thinking. Do we also need to heed this warning? I would argue we do, painfully so. Our society, our politics, our churches, our very culture are as dualistic and divided as ever. John and the other disciples would fit right in in 2018. If I am right, then you must be wrong. We are being drawn ever more to the very ends of every spectrum. Dualistic thinking seems to be the norm. Black, white, in, out, right, wrong. It is though we have given up on any attempt to reconcile ideas. We've lost the ability to hold two opposing views in a healthy tension, recognizing that multiple things can be true at the same time. Someone can be a contributing member of society and have done very bad things in their past. Someone can experience incredible trauma and be unable to speak of it for years. Someone can be a follower of Christ and not worship exactly as we do. We do not have to deny the notion of competing truths. It is rarely, if ever, an either-or. It is most often both and. Jesus knew this. DuBose knew this. And let us try to remember it 
because it makes us so much less insufferable. You know what I'm talking about. Richard and I are co-teaching the catechumenate this year on Wednesday nights, and it is so much fun. And we agree on many things, but we have differing approaches to some. And while I would love to stand here and proclaim for all of you that I am right in those areas where we do not align, I am fully aware I do not hold the sole key to truth. We can both be right, but I would appreciate it if you didn't tell Richard that. (laughs) I believe the catechumens are having a richer experience because of our differing styles and approach. And it will be even richer in those weeks in which Broderick comes and shares his views and teaches the class. And if you've been wondering what catechumenate is all about, aside from being kind of a weird word, a little hard to say, you should come check us out. We are having ongoing conversations about these very things. It is important that we do not subscribe to the misguided notion that only we hold the key. Not only because it makes us truly insufferable, but because it can also present a stumbling block to others. Others who believe, but just hold a different piece of the picture of who Christ is. Ecumenical work is so important. Every time we engage with a different group, we are widening the circle. We are seeing another part another aspect of Christ, and we are gaining a more complete picture. One of the greatest challenges and joys for me in attending ILIF was having classmates who represented such a wide variety of faith communities. And let me tell you, it will really force you to dig down into what you do believe and why when you are studying scripture with such varied theologies present in the room. And lest we forget, my friends, these very pews here in St. John's are not filled with cradle Episcopalians. Many of you come with a faith informed by the church of your childhood that's not the Episcopal church, if you went to any church at all. And whether we realize it or not, we are engaging in a form of ecumenical work every day in our own church with our own people, and we are richer for it. John saw the exorcist as needing to be stopped. He was someone from outside, even though he proclaimed Christ. John was trying to keep the circle tight and small and exclusive and the only truth. Jesus challenges that way of thinking. Jesus widens the circle.